Hello and welcome to Isaka Podcast. Thank you for joining me for this episode. My name is Holly Mangrum Willis, and I am a senior program manager for Isaka's Foundation One in Tech. Joining me today, I am honored to have Jay Cisodia, IT and Information Security Audit Vice President. Thank you for joining me. How are you today? Thanks a lot, Holly, for inviting me and for this uh, this great opportunity. I'm doing good. How are you? I am fantastic. Now, before I allow you to introduce yourself, I just want to make sure that our ISACA audience knows exactly who you are. So, JC Sodia wrote uh, a recent article entitled "AI Risks and the Role of IT Auditors," and this was an article that came out when last year. Yep. Last year, December 2022? Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, before before I ask you, before we get into the meat of the article and pick out some <laughs> finer points in this podcast episode, please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and um, basically your, your journey to this, this AI um, crusade, if, if we shall. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so... Uh, hello, everyone. This is Jaisa Sodia. As Hori mentioned, I'm currently working as a vice president of IT and information security audit at Oak North Bank. Uh, I'm a career IT auditor. So from the start of my job, I have been around nine years of experience completely in IT audit. I uh, have been exposed to multiple industries from Big Four Consulting from in Deloitte and then moving to Baxter Healthcare in Chicago, Illinois. I was there for, I worked in Baxter for around five, five, five and a half years. Got exposed to a lot of audits, uh, auditing in manufacturing plants to IT and in, uh, looking at application systems, um, information security, privacy, anything and everything that you can talk about in IT and InfoSec, I have done that from an IT audit perspective. That's at least that's what I believe. And now I'm at, uh, this is my first day at Oak North and working in the FinTech industry for the first time. So yeah, uh, like I said, I'm a career IT auditor. So I've done uh, the, the good thing about uh, IT audit is that it exposes you to a multiple fields, like not only the field, the, 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 the things that the company is are working at right now, but also what their strategy is going forward. So that's where I got exposed to the world of AI, right? Everybody, every company, everyone wants to embrace AI. And now that with these large language models like ChatGPT coming in, everybody wants to see what's the potential here and how we can further use it or utilize it to further increase our productivity or better offer services to their customers, right? But as IT auditors, we have to put on that hat and think about the risk and that's where I got attracted to this particular area of how as we as IT auditors can add value to this whole AI revolution that's currently going on in the world and that's where I believe uh, I just started researching about it got a lot of uh, information and thought of just jotting it down and into a summary and that's how I go about it this article in this article. This is interesting. Now, I have to say, Jay, you know, you're, you're taking the fun out of AI. You're taking all the fun <laughs> out of it because, you know, I think for me, it, it became a real thing maybe a few months ago when yeah. everyone on social media went on some website and uh, uploaded their image, their their personal image, and then it created, you know, tens or 
30 or 40 different right. photos that a photographer did not take. And they all look right. like you, right? But now yeah. you're taking yeah. the fun out of it because, you know, we're thinking about risk. We're thinking about audit. We're thinking about the security of it all, which is yeah. extremely important here, right? Mm -hmm. And so right. I wanted to know, you know, you talked a little bit about your career journey, but on a personal level, what what drove you to really dig in to this concept of securing and understanding the risks behind artificial intelligence? Yeah. So like I said, right, uh, in my previous roles uh, and being exposed to this IT audit world, I've traveled to around 30 plus countries and every country has. So when you go land at the airport, some countries have a manual process. Some countries have a automated systems, right? Uh, for example, I've been to China multiple times and they have their whole facial recognition system through which they can recognize you and then your characteristics and then they let you into the country. And that's got me thinking, right? Because sometimes what happens is these systems fail to recognize you because you are not being your data is not fed because you are one of the rare people that comes to that country, right? You're not, you are the outliers. So it, it gets you thinking, right? Uh, about the risk, about what actually these biases, these unintentional biases can lead to. And that's where, uh, this is like my personal thing. And this is one of the inputs, or this is one of the very major factors that got me into this particular field. And I started researching about it. That, if you travel, if you are exposed to, what if these systems, whatever we are trusting so blindly, a lot of people are trusting so blindly, what if they start churning out wrong data? Or what if they start making wrong decisions for us and we are just trusting them blindly, right? So it's good, It's uh, like you rightly said, uh, AI is fun, AI is productive, AI is everything that, that uh, we can think about in a positive front, but obviously with risk, with returns come risk, right? And that's where, we as ID auditors come in, I guess. Okay, uh, I I totally understand it, but I think you know I, I'm a I, I grew up dancing, and my dance teacher used mm -hmm. to say the fun is in the discipline, the discipline yeah. is in the fun, and so you know thank you for for sharing that answer because what I took from that was if we put some security and mitigate risk within mm -hmm. AI. We can we can continue to use it for good, to have fun yeah. with it, and to do positive things, and to allow it to continue to have positive impact in the world. Definitely, and we also have to change our mindset, right? Uh, we, as I consider myself as a tech nerd, and but even I or people like me in this field have to change our mindset. AI or the risk of AI are not technological in nature right? They are socio-technological. We have to consider the social and economical impacts that AI has. And we as IT auditors now have to elevate ourselves, elevate our skills to the next level so that we can better help whatever organization that we are working for or providing services to. It, we have to make sure that we are assessing these AI-related risks as a socio-technological challenge, not just as a technical or a technology. Oh, you're getting deep real early in this, Jay. I'm, you know what? <laughs> we're going to put a pin in that social technology. We're going to come back to that later because I think you yeah. touched on something incredible right there. So so um, please share with me because I asked about the personal side of it. 
why did you write this article? Why was it important for you to get this out, get it out to the to the ISACA community? Right. Uh, so one of the things that I've already told you, right, uh, the, the personal reasons that got me attracted to this field, but the socio-technological challenge that I was talking about, if I can just elaborate on that a little bit more. Uh, while researching for this article or while researching for this topic uh, last year, I got to know about some of the some of the studies that were done. Right, uh, one of them was around 65% of the companies that are using AI models. So AI is not a new technology; it has been hyped right now, but it's like a 60, 70 years old technology. Right, 60 or yeah. 70 year technology. And I fully first... expected you to say 30, but 60 or 70 <laughs> years. First AI code was written around 60 years back. Wow. Yeah. You taught me something today, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, okay, but what was the first AI code? Like, what does that look like 60 years ago? Because, I mean, we're talking about, what, 1960-some-odd, yeah. 70-some-odd? Yeah. So it was around, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, around 1950s, 1960s, uh, there was research going on, uh, I think, in Stanford or somewhere, where... They were, so first quote, obviously it's not like the language models of today, but yeah, it was making decisions based on the data that it was fed to it. So they were making decisions based on the historical data and just, just predicting what the next letter is going to be. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so very rudimentary, but to the point, not new. Yes, yeah, Okay. exactly. AI is not a new technology. So it has been used in, for example, in Google, in other companies as well for, for a very long time. And one of the recent studies that I was got to know was that 65% of the companies don't know how the AI models that they're using, they how do they actually work, right? How they are not, they do themselves don't know. They build themselves the algorithms, but it has been in the outer world for so much, so long time. So they don't know how exactly they are taking the decisions right now. And that's 65%. It's a pretty huge number, right? That's very large. Yes. Thank you for sharing that data. So, okay. What you talked about some of the risks, but can you describe the three main categories of bias that right. AI applications are prone to? Yeah, correct. Uh, before I go to that, probably sure. we can talk about bias in the AI context, right? Okay. What is bias in the context of AI? Bias in the human world is someone favoring something or someone and it which leads to unfavorable or unfair outcomes. This is what bias is for you and me, right? If somebody fails something unfavorably and it's a discriminatory thing. Similarly, AI, right? AI is not taking decisions based on themselves. It's kind of mimicking how humans take decisions, right? It's it's taking decisions based on what is what data is fed to them and what logic it applies to take that data, right? To, to, to give that data. So that's where the bias comes in. And bias in AI context, similar to what is happens in the human context is, these are systemic errors in the decision-making or the predictions that are made by, the, by these systems, which leads to unfair or discriminatory outcomes, right? So these are the systemic errors. So now if we, there are different kinds of biases, like the how, how what data are you feeding into it? How, how developers are coded and who is in the development team actually coding, who, who are developing that logic, right? And then how are you interpreting those kind of 
decisions that the AI systems is taking for you. So all these biases, uh, there's a, I think I've read about for around 30 to 40 different kind of biases. So I looked at the frameworks that how we can make sense of all these biases and NIST 1270 is a very good framework that I got to look at during my research. And what's, can you, what's the name of that again? NIST 1270. NIST 1270. All right. I just yes. want to make sure that our audience caught that because I mean, it's a great resource and reference. Yes, exactly. And there are other resources as well. So uh, European Commission has released some good guidance on AI as well. And there is ISO 27701, which also talks about ethics in AI. So there are some good uh, frameworks that are now available to us to start looking at, start understanding it, things, how the governments are looking at it and how the industry is looking at it, right? Now, coming back to your question about bias, making sense of those 30 to 40 bias NIST categorized them into three different categories. One, the first one they talked about was the systemic bias, right? This is also known as historical bias, right? This is the bias that we understand. So basically the data that you're feeding into the system, how truly it reflects, how it reflects the societal biases that are already available. This is the systemic biases that we uh, that we need to take care of when we are developing these systems, right? So the data that you are choosing to train the AI system, how relevant it is, how how true it is to the actual problem it is trying to address, how and how fair it is to the broader audience that it is going to cater to. This is what we have to understand from a systemic bias perspective, right? The second category around statistical and computational bias. This is the second category of it. This again talks about the sampling or the inputs that are being given to so once we have selected the data that's or the data set that is going to be fed into the system now we have to select the sample of that data which is going to be get input into the ai system so we need to make sure that it represents the population or it represents a true uh, population that we are trying to address by building those math models right so that's the statistical bias and then the computational biases the algorithms that you are developing to make sense of that data. So the developers who we have to make sure that the developers also have their own thinking, right? So they're not trying whatever biases or the upbringing or whatever exposure that they have had, the experiences that they have had to the world, those are not unfairly reflected into the, into the algorithms that they are developing into the AI systems, right? So the algorithms that are being created are not biased and again are fair to the whole audience or to the target customers. This is the statistical computational bias. Uh, am I making sense? Uh, if you have any yeah, questions, yeah, no, no, it makes sense. So in my head, what you know, because I I understand that they were kept, they were classified into three separate bias, three separate types of biases. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's it, it in my head, it seems like they feed into one another, right? It yes. starts with a basic systemic bias that we as humans contain, um, yeah. and then we are the ones who drive the statistical and computational. Uh, exactly. processes that for uh -huh. for the AI, and so. Right. What basically what you're saying is, is that we need to, in, in, in my mind, we should, we need to focus on um, addressing the systemic portions 
And then mm -hmm. in addressing the systemic portions of bias, no matter where you are in the globe, because systemic mm -hmm. bias could mean something different to some to someone in China than it does in Australia, right? Okay. So whatever yeah. whatever that bias means to you, but understanding how to ethically and morally um, mm -hmm. account for that so that your statistics and computations are as representative as possible. Exactly. And one of the very simple examples to understand it is, uh, if you remember in, uh, I believe in 29, 2009 or 2010, there was an article, Nikon had recently developed a blink detection feature, right? Okay. And unintentionally, it was not able to detect the eye blink of Asian people. Because, because of the nature. So it's, a, so it's not an intentional thing that they built in, but the data that they fed, because it's an American company, they did not have the larger data set to cater to, so the system was not able to identify the blinks. So yep. these kind of things, so the data that you're feeding, you have to take utmost care so that you are able to, because this can not only lead to uh, unproductive outcomes or discriminatory outcomes, but it, calls, it can also have an effect on the image of the company, right? That they're mm. not catering to their audiences. So absolutely, we have to think think of it as a in, in in a much more broader sense. Like we now think about security, information security that can directly disrupt the image of the company or whatever. But mm -hmm. here itself, we have to think about AI in a similar sense, or maybe in a much more impactful sense than insecurity. So yeah, so this is one of the things, right? And so and so, you know what? And that leads me back to what you said earlier about mm -hmm. social technology, because mm -hmm. a lot of times we're we're looking at technology as this, you know, black or white thing, either it is or mm -hmm. it isn't, either it works or it doesn't. And Correct. for so long, we have kind of put the social responsibility of technology mm -hmm. on the back burner. And so now yep. I think, you know, one of the positive things about AI is that it has highlighted the need for more ethical and ethical restraint. I don't know if that's a, 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 a good phrase, a turn of phrase, ethical restraint or more um, attention to yeah. bias, right? Yeah, it, 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 I, I think these AI systems are making people accountable or company accountable. Yes, accountability. You hit the nail on the head, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So exactly. You're, you're completely right. So now as IT auditors, we have to think not just in technology, whether the algorithms are built in correct or whether we are able to, how do we assess whether the data set is correct or not, right? So we cannot just rely on looking at some technology, whether how, what tools are you using? Is it secure enough or does it have all the security related risk covered or technological related risk covered? We have to bring in, we have to expect more, uh, increase our skills, elevate our skills, like I said before, but also include ourselves uh, include other stakeholders who are subject matter experts in those specific fields and get their point of view. So we have to deal this situation by not being in silos, but taking this challenge as a team, as a community, as a whole, and then coming up with these innovative solutions, right? Because to tackle AI, we have to do that. There's no other option. You're absolutely right. And, and if I may, because <laughs> I am a proponent and a champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
But, you know, typically when I'm hosting or facilitating webinars and other learnings, um, Mm -hmm. DEI has become such a buzzword and a buzz acronym, right? But basically what you were talking about is equity and inclusion. It's being inclusive in in the data set. Um, I have said this on a a ISACA podcast before, Mm -hmm. but it reminds Mm -hmm. me of the hand-washing radar sensors when they Mm -hmm. first came out, the automated sensors, when they first came out. I remember everyone in my community complaining like those things never work. Will come to find out whomever put the the sensor together was not made from melanated skin. And wow. all the people who tested the technology did not yeah. have very melanated skin. And this is what I'm talking about, Ali. <laughs> and so exactly. you and so yeah. something that was meant for good, something that right. was meant to help people, to aid people, to keep people mm-hmm. from touching things. Now we can't yeah. even wash our hands if you're if you have so much more melanin, right? Exactly. So yep. the, the trust into these systems is very important, and uh, these uh, there are a lot of frameworks, and every framework comes back to I think four or five trust principles, right? Whether the system is fair enough, whether it's transparent enough, do does it cater to accountability that we talked about quite a lot today? So. Is there accountability? And then is it explainable enough? So I was talking about, right, 65% companies don't know how it works. We should be able to explain how the technology that we built works, right? So we have to have access to the metadata that's getting fed into these systems. We have to make sure that they are transparent enough. So these large language models like ChatGPT, actually I asked ChatGPT, like what are your top five risks? Tell me about it. So the five risks that it came up with, the first one was bias. People, the data that I give you may be biased or it may actually be inaccurate. Second was that people are over relying on me, but they should not rely on me. They should do their check themselves. I'm just a helper. Then the security and privacy risk was, was number four and five. So the first- I'm sorry, security and what? Privacy, okay. privacy risk. Mm-hmm. So because it does not have content, consent, right? It, uh, ChatGPT does not have a consent on uh, what data it is being read. Yeah, because just scraping the whole internet. It's not right. taking permission from you and me to whether I can get the data from whatever data that you you might have written some blog or might have written some article. It's getting scraped into the data, the whole internet, and now it's bringing up results for the population to see, right? So security and privacy risk are not being considered. So. These are the top five risks that Chat GPT itself is saying, and top three risks are related to ethics and bias. So we have to make sure that before we address the technological things, we have, we come up with certain standards, frameworks to deal or come up with certain principles that's on which these systems can now be built. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, talk to me. So you're talking about. Um, systems, principles that responsible AI can be built on. Um, talk to me a little bit. You mentioned the, in the article about this AI life cycle um, mm-hmm. to address and identify biases. Can you expand upon that right. a little bit more? Yeah. So it's like any other development, right? The software development, we come up with certain requirements and which are then it, it goes into a design phase and you start coding it and then it is released into the world, right? So similarly, 
you might have heard like privacy by privacy by design or security by design. Yes. Incor yes. Incorporating AI related principles into each and every stage of software development, even for for to make sure that we are addressing the problem of ethics and bias from the very beginning is what yes. it is in summary. Right. So again, to make sense of this, NIST framework talks about three to four stages, which starts with uh, the pre-design phase where we have to take care of the biases around uh, whether why what's the purpose of the tool that we are building what's ai within that tool what specific purpose is it going to solve then how are we going to select the data so basically the principles or the standards on which the the development is going to happen needs to be taken care of in the pre-design phase now comes the design phase right now here we are actually starting to feed the data into the system design and development right the, this is where the coding or the, the algorithms are designed so the sampling methodology are we are we sampling the whole population are we it, is our sample truly reflects the whole population of the data what algorithms are being designed who is in the development team you talked about diversity right the team the development team has to be as diverse as possible because before Without that, we cannot we cannot build in uh, make those principles within the AI system. It, it it otherwise it will start reflecting those biases. So yeah, taking care of those kind of design and development things. Then the deployment phase, right? Every system in the in the in the in the design phase is test is fed a test data. But what happens? How it starts? reacting when it's actually fed live data for example criminal justice uh, criminal uh, prediction systems crime prediction systems or health prediction systems if the data that is being fed into is just for one of one race and it starts predicting for another race or uh, whatever data and then it starts creating un, un uh, inaccurate outcomes right because if if an application was created for the western world and i'm using that in india where we have a different race of people it will give us inaccurate data, right? Inaccurate outcomes, and then we'll start relying on it. So how it is how it is reacting to the real world is come is what we have to take care of in the deployment phase, and then making sure that we are continuously monitoring it, even if there is a need to retrain the system at some stage, we keep on doing that to make sure that it's it reflects or it's as unbiased as possible. So these are the four stages that were defined in this framework, and I think it makes sense and how it tackles the biases. Jay, thank you so much for sharing those insights. And yes, um, one thing I would like to highlight that you said um, that really is near and dear to my heart and near and dear to my work um, with One in Tech and She Leads Tech is the need for diverse teams, right? Definitely. Like you can't have unbiased AI if you don't have a full representation or a, a diverse group of people to draw that knowledge from. And really, if I may, <laughs> if I may, to me, it sounds like you're what, what you're boiling down to is digital trust. Like the more that we have ourselves represented in our digital world, the yes. more we can trust it. Right. Definitely. So go ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. These uh, digital trust, the way we are getting transparent, it has to be coming back to the same question, same principles, right? The fairness and transparency. This is the must for AI system, right? Because at the end, 
what technology is it if you are not able to trust it right it's meant to be trusted and without diversity it cannot be done yeah we cannot do that Exactly. And you know what? That is an excellent note to end on. I could talk to you for another hour about this because it is, you know, artificial intelligence is extremely intriguing because now we're seeing the lengths that the, the, the potential that it has. Right. But it makes people, I can tell you, people get scared. They're like, okay, if it has the, if, if we have the potential for computers to sort of think for us with such an accuracy, you can already see like all the old sci-fi movies playing out and the perils come from that. Right. Yeah. And so I think that your article is timely. It is, um, it is needed to, and, and, and it really highlights what you said, which is talking about bias ethics and instilling that into AI at the outset instead of trying to control for it later. Mm -hmm. You know, once the train pulls out the station, it's very hard. Yeah, it's uncontrollable. So thank you so very much, Jay Sisodia. Um, I appreciate you for being here. Please make sure you visit isaka.org to uh, check out his article, which is entitled AI Risks and the role of IT auditors. Thank you very much. I hope to speak to you again soon because AI is moving like the speed of lightning. So I I know that you'll be back, sir. Sure, Ali. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Looking forward to our next section. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for joining this episode of the ISACA podcast. We appreciate you. Please take care and stay safe.